0: Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. This homily from Father Paul Koska comes from the 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time. To support the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. One of the things that I've learned in the past few years, I would say in the past 10 years of my life, is sort of have to be ready for anything in a particular day. I worked as an assistant principal for five years before being assigned to DU and go through a week, and it was a normal week, just kind of the normal run-of-mill things. And one day, something crazy would happen, you know, at the high school, and I'd be occupied that whole day from 9 to 3 in the afternoon with some unexpected problem that I couldn't anticipate. And similarly with... uh, being both at DU, but also uh, serving as a a Navy chaplain, a sort of similar experience where I really have no idea. I have no idea what a particular day is going to hold. I went in yesterday morning um, into base at at Buckley Air Force Base, just kind of expecting a normal drill weekend. And the first thing out of the, the CO of the the Navy Reserve Center was that one of our sailors had passed away uh, from suicide, like twenty twenty hours before, and so I spent my whole morning with his unit and then uh, with some other people that were impacted by it. And I think one of the things that we're invited to remember as we, you know, go through this week as we go through the quarter, um, is that. Our, faithful, our regular faithfulness to the Lord helps us to be prepared for the unexpected situations that we face in our lives. And that small consistency, that small consistency that you have of doing your prayer in the morning or the consistency you have in coming in faithfulness to Sunday Mass, while some particular times it might not seem like the like, most crazy energizing thing in the world, that consistent faithfulness that you have will build up strength within you so that in that exceptional situation you can respond with virtue, with courage, and with faithfulness. Because without that, without that solid foundation, without without those kind of foundational practices, it's easy um, to just get totally discombobulated by a circumstance and a situation. And that's what happens in the in the background of the first reading today. Moses is up on Mount Sinai and is talking with the Lord face to face and the Israelites who are down at the bottom of the mountain. So imagine Moses is, right, if you've ever been on a 14er, right, Moses is at the summit and everybody else is down at the base, is at the trailhead. And Moses has been gone for a long time. And so eventually, the people that are at the trailhead decide, Moses might not be coming back. He might be dead. We don't really know. And Moses is the one who led us out here from the main part of Egypt to this Sinai, this peninsula, where there's not very much around. There wasn't very much back then, and there's still not very much right now. Uh, if you go there today, it's, it's a no man's land, it's actually one of the places like in the world that's on like the red list of like, if you look at the Department of State website, it gives like, green, go to this place, yellow, you can go to this place but with reservations, and then orange is like, don't recommend you go, but you can go, and then the Sinai Peninsula is like, and under no circumstances should you go to the Sinai Peninsula. And it's partly because of terrorist activity, but it's also just a desolate place. And so the Israelites are at the base of this mountain. They don't know where Moses is. He's been gone for longer than they expected. And so they decide to take the jewelry that they have and make a molten calf and start worshiping the golden calf as God is giving Moses The Ten Commandments. So they're being unfaithful to the Lord who's brought them out of Egypt and is giving them the Ten Commandments, which is one of the most like lasting and enduring gifts that we have, and they're worshiping a piece of gold. And so in the midst of that unexpectedness, they they didn't know how to respond, and so they revert to their unfaithfulness. And Moses is up there and hears this news. And imagine being in Moses' shoes for a minute. Like you've traveled, you've been part of this experience of bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. You've come to the top of this mountain to receive instruction from the Lord. And basically, you're up on the top of the mountain by yourself, but he's just not physically by himself. He's morally and kind of spiritually on his own in this moment. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that of like feeling like, am I the only one that is faithful to Jesus? Like, am I the only one that even, like, cares about anything to do with truth or morality? That's kind of the situation that Moses faced in that moment, but the interesting thing that Moses says in dialogue with the Lord as the Lord, the Lord proposes, like, I can basically destroy all of these unfaithful people and then from you build a new nation and like we can just move on from them and moses doesn't say like yeah i don't care about those people he advocates on their behalf he loves them and advocates to the lord on their behalf and so there's this reality of moses is willing in the in the midst of a difficult situation in an unexpected situation moses unlike the people of israel is faithful to the Lord and is even faithful to his own people. And so we're invited to have that same readiness to be able to respond to whatever comes our way with the enduring faithfulness of the Lord. In his second reading from the Apostle Paul, Paul says something very blunt. He says something very blunt. He says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. It doesn't say Jesus Christ came into the world to be a moral teacher. Jesus Christ didn't come into the world just to inspire people with his example, even though he does inspire us with his example. But for us as human beings, why Jesus came into the world was to save us from our sin. He comes to save us. He comes to rescue us. And so the good news about that is that when you struggle with sin, Jesus does not abandon you, Jesus does not forsake you, but the reason why he came into the world was to save you and me from my sin and from your sin. And he comes to save us, and so he invites us, he reaches out his hand to us in mercy and desires us to become close to him again. And so if you have been distant from the Lord, the Lord invites you back. The Lord invites you back to Himself. He reaches out His hands to you and says, Come, find rest in me. Because ultimately, what sin does, and we hear this beautifully described in the parable of the prodigal son today what sin does is ultimately leaves us desolate. It ultimately leaves us poor, it leaves us tired. And not just like physically tired, like tired after you've run a few miles, but tired to the point where like I just have, I have drains your motivation. And so the Lord invites us out of that darkness and into his light. Because the beautiful thing about bringing things to the Lord and encountering his mercy is that the power of sin is broken when we bring things into the light. And so I encourage you to experience that love, experience that mercy. The other amazing thing that's described in the parable of the prodigal son today is the generosity of the Lord to his wayward son. Because the father had the right in Israeli culture to not accept him back. He had the right to allow him to come back, but as a hired servant. And yet the father doesn't just welcome him back as like a a servant, but he restores him to his sonship. And he has the signs of that sonship restored to him. So the ring on his finger, the robe, all of that is symbolic of the son being restored back to his place at his father's house. And it's abundant generosity. I mean, imagine yourself as a parent, or imagine your own parents, when you did something really bad, and you came back sorry, were they always as forgiving as the Father who is described here was? And if you were in the Father's shoes, would you naturally be as merciful as He is? And the, the idea behind it is that, well, maybe not, but that's the way that the Lord is, and that's the way that we're invited to be is we're invited to into the Father's mercy to receive it ourselves, and then to be generous distributors of God's manifold grace, as St. Peter says. To be generous in distributing what we have freely received. But what that requires, in order to receive God's mercy, the main kind of thing that all that we have to do is recognize that we're poor and start walking back towards the Lord. I mean, think about it. All that that son really does in the end is he comes to his senses, he realizes what he's done, and he starts moving back towards his father's house. And his father sees him when he is a long way off. The other thing that, I, that has struck me recently about this parable, and especially as preparing for this homily, is the fact that Jesus describes how the father felt When he saw his son. And Jesus knows the Heavenly Father right intimately. He knows that he's one in being with the Father, as we say in the Creed. So Jesus knows the heart of the Heavenly Father. And Jesus reveals to us through the parable of the prodigal son the mystery of the Father's heart. When he sees his son a far way off, it doesn't say his father was moved to wrath. But it says that his father was moved with compassion for his son. And the father is moved with compassion for you and for me. Because the reality is that son was probably in like rags. He was probably covered in the goop that the swine ate. And so the son looked desperate. The son looked like he was a mess. And the father's heart was moved with compassion. And so what can we know out of that? We can know that the Father's heart for us when we have sinned and when we seek to turn back to Him is He is moved with compassion for us. And He loves us profoundly and deeply. And He desires to draw us back to Himself. Because His ultimate plan, His ultimate purpose for why He does everything is so that at the end of our lives and at the end of time, we can be in his house. Because what he promises at the end of the story is when he invites us into heaven, into his kingdom in heaven. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your father's house. That's his plan and his purpose for why, why I'm here as a priest, why the Eucharist happens is so that we can be drawn to the Father's house. So we can start living in the Father's house, even here on earth, and then live for eternity with him. And so may we have the grace this, this week to do two things I would propose. One is simply to recognize where we're at. That's a great gift of uh, you know GPS on cell phones, right? As you press the little thing on Google Maps and it figures out where you are. And you can figure out where you need to go from there. But when you don't know where you are, it's hard to know where, how to get where you need to go. And so the most important thing we can do is figure out where am I at right now? Not just where are you, like you're in Evans Chapel at the University of Denver, you're in the state of Colorado, but where are you at with the Lord? And if you're close to Him and you have no mortal sins on your soul, that's awesome. And if you feel like you're far from Him, Come back to the Lord. Come back to his mercy. Come to confession. I'd be happy to hear your confession anytime time this week or the whole semester, whole year, or whatever, but come back to the Lord. He loves you. He wants you to be with him. And so let's have the grace to know where we are. And then the second thing is to pray that we have hearts of mercy like the Father towards the people that we encounter. Because the power of our encounter with other people can transform them. Our own mercy, our generous distribution of His mercy to other people can transform their lives. So may we know where we are and may we be generous in giving mercy to others.